not to say it today, but it might just slip out. You never know. But I wonder how what we're living through in 2020 links in then with this ancient story that we remember today on Palm Sunday, this story from the life of Jesus. And to really understand what was going on that day, we actually need to look at what was going on just before Jesus came to Jerusalem. Because all the Gospels tell this story, but John's has some interesting information that he wants to tell us that the others don't. And earlier in John 12, he tells us Jesus actually came to the region to visit some friends of his and he arrived six days earlier. And this was to see a guy called Lazarus and his sisters, Martha and Mary. And we know a little bit about the life story of Lazarus, but not so much about him as a guy. But from what we do know, he was probably in his prime of life. He was an adult, healthy guy, and he was definitely a good friend of Jesus. But most of all, he's a significant person in John's gospel because of a story that's told the chapter before. And it's the story of a sudden tragedy because Lazarus falls ill and um, actually dies. And the story tells how his sisters were utterly devastated and in mourning when Jesus came to visit them. <coughs> this is actually the story of a miracle. And there's a dramatic twist because Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead and calls him out of the tomb that he'd actually been in for four days. So by the time Jesus arrives in John 12, it seems that news of what's happened has spread really fast because in 12 verse 9, we hear that a large crowd has found out Jesus is coming. And then in the passage that we read earlier, the next day, an even bigger crowd of people who gathered in Jerusalem for a feast, they hear that Jesus and Lazarus are coming. And this is clearly a powerful and emotional moment. The language that's used to describe that crowd that comes out onto the streets, it's not describing a nice orderly gathering. It's what in English we might call a rabble or even a riot. This is a seething mass of people coming out under the influence of some powerful emotion. This whole story has triggered something in them, something really strong, and they have to respond. So they come as one spontaneously, instinctively, all responding to the same thing. And what is it? You know, we can think it's just to go and see Jesus, because why wouldn't you? But there's actually something more interesting going on, and the clues are there in how John chooses to tell the story. Because it isn't actually just Jesus they come to see. Verse 9 tells us they want to see Lazarus just as much. These two people carry this equal celebrity status because of this amazing thing that's happened. And then there's this thing about waving palm branches. All the Gospels talk about how the people laid down um, twigs and branches and leaves. And this was a tradition in that time to do for someone important, a bit like we would lay down a red carpet. But John specifically wants us to know that they waved palm branches. And at that time, the palm was considered sacred. And it was a symbol of something really interesting when we consider the context with this story of Lazarus. It was a symbol of immortality and specifically of victory over death. And if you look back at the language that's used in John chapter 11, when it describes what happens to Lazarus, in verse 3, his sisters send this frantic message to Jesus saying that Lazarus is ill. And literally the word they use has a wider meaning, which shows something of their shock and horror at what's happening to their family, to this previously healthy guy. The Greek word that they use means more than that he's just ill. It says he's become weak, frail, vulnerable, even fragile. 
It's a word that describes the reality of our human state. And it's something they've suddenly seen in him. And they're calling out for Jesus in their panic because they see the real risk that they might lose him. And of course, they do lose him. This is the story of someone who's struck down, a family hit by tragedy. It's a story of the devastation of loss. And it's a striking example of our human vulnerability and the uncomfortable reality that when, we come, when it comes down to it, we actually have very little control over our own mortality. And it's like this story has created a moment of clarity for the people as they hear about Jesus and what happens. And they just have to seek him out in that moment. There's no question that they would go. Because this is no social media driven, organized march. It's a spontaneous, instinctive, emotional gathering because the people just have to seek out something that Jesus carries. They have to go and see this guy who offers freedom and life and opportunity and something that they can't get anywhere else. And boy, is this evocative to us right now. Because in our modern world, we feel so powerful normally, so invincible, so capable. And this crisis, it's, oh, right, I'm going to have to use that word, it's unprecedented <laughs> because it's blasted away almost every area where we feel those things. This tiny little virus has had a massive impact. It's pulled out from under us almost everything we depend upon in our human strength, our social world, our practical world our jobs, our financial security, our ability to travel, even to leave our homes, to send our kids to school, even going shopping has become difficult. Everything has changed. And we like to think we can control things and keep safe, particularly the people we love the most. But this crisis has made us face that maybe we can't. So suddenly, so quickly, so dramatically we've had to face this uncomfortable reality of our own vulnerability. Maybe we're not in control of our destiny in the way that we would like to think we are. Perhaps this year we can identify more than ever with the power of emotion that drove the people out onto the streets that day to see a Jesus, a man who maybe offered hope. And we're gonna journey with the next events in this story over the coming week. But for today, I want to ponder, what does God want to say to us? And there's two things that I suggest you might want to reflect on now or later in the day when you have a quiet moment. And the first thing is, is about our now. As our own crazy times right now make us so aware of our own vulnerability, I wonder if you're finding yourself reaching out instinctively to God, just like those people did. And I wonder what that looks like for you. Are you finding yourself thinking about God more? Are you praying more? Are you changing your habits perhaps to create more time to focus on God, more space for meditation, for prayer? I wonder what you're discovering about the kind of sustenance, the kind of insight, the kind of peace and difference that God can make for you as you do that. Maybe you're actually starting to contemplate God like this for the first time, maybe in your whole life, wondering, Maybe this God is out there. Maybe this is real. I wonder if you're fighting that yearning that the people experienced that day that led them out onto the streets. What difference would it make if you dared to let yourself trust your instinct and reach out to God right now? And then secondly, I wonder what this means for our longer term. 
you know, right now it feels like so much of the world is just on hold. We're waiting for things to get back to normal, I guess. But when it does, I wonder what we're going to take with us from this time. What if this moment in our life has offered us a unique opportunity of clarity? Like at the moment, if you go and stand outside in the garden, you can hear things you can't normally hear. The bird song is so beautiful because the everyday buzz and noise of our normal life has died down. I wonder if there's something that you can perceive now that you wouldn't do normally. Moments like this, they could change us. How does it need to change you today? Because if we don't make those decisions deliberately, then the risk is, like the people in this story, we just go back to the old routines of life because instincts are fickle things. Some of those people in the crowd that day were the same people joining a different crowd less than a week later that called for Jesus to be put to death. The narratives and the drives and the pattern of our culture are so enticing. But they can also limit us, even trap us as they hold us in their grip. It's so easy just to jump back onto a treadmill. We could miss something really important that God wants to say to us. We might turn away from a hope that if we stop long enough to listen to our own hearts, we're actually yearning for. You know, the ultimate irony of this story is that even though it was death that those people feared the most, in the end... Their frustration and confusion meant that they used death to silence the one person, Jesus, the God who could offer them freedom from it. So let's take a moment right now. Let's just pray. Let's take a moment of quiet. So you might want to just close your eyes where you are. If you're sat in your living room or your garden or wherever you're listening to this. You might want to hold your hands out to God. We do this just as a symbol that we're open to receive what he longs to give to us. Because there are things that God longs to bring to you right now. He offers you order in the face of this chaos. He offers light in your darkest moments. He offers us life in the face of death. And an opportunity for wellness and flourishing, even in the midst of stress and limitation, even in the middle of sickness and suffering. So let's take a moment. Let's close our eyes. Father God, we thank you so much for your presence with us. We're so grateful for the things that you offer us, for the hope and freedom and opportunity that you bring, even in difficult times. We're so grateful for your faithfulness, for the security of knowing you, knowing that you love each and every one of us. And I pray right now for every person who's sitting in this moment with you, that the power of your Holy Spirit would be with them, that they would feel the reality of your presence right beside them and around them. And I pray for people right now who might be reaching out to you for the first time. Lord God, I pray that you would give them the confidence, the courage to do that, to let their hearts reach for you and that they would feel your holding of them in this moment. And for people who've known you a while, I pray that you would be speaking to them. What is it that you want to say in this moment to each and every one of us? Lord God, give us the clarity, even in the chaos and noise of this moment, to hear what you whisper to our souls, to speak to us, so that we don't miss the important things that you long to say to each one of us. So we just rest in you in this moment and for the rest of today. In Jesus' name, amen.